Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. I love, I love seeing our, our little ones being led off to, to learn the Word of God, be raised up, and, and have such strong leaders to, to help them in that. <laughs> so... Good morning. It's, it's good to be back here. I know we, we missed last week, and uh, it always makes my week just a, a little bit less when I don't get to see all your smiling faces and get to spend time with you and commune. Um, forces me to deal with just the wife for two weeks straight instead of having, you know, the atmosphere. I still love you. <laughs> So, this month we've been, uh, had the subject of first. Um, beginning of the month, Fred did first fruits. He was going to do that again last week, uh, hoping he'll bring that sermon um, when he comes back to town and, and continue on to February with first as just a reminder. Uh, what I chose for you guys today is entitled First Steps. Um, originally, I was thinking first steps of the church, which is really what we need to understand, but you can entitle it your first steps of a Christian, first steps of the church we know, whatever, whatever fits in with you. I just want you guys to get the, the mindset and the heart of what is the first step I need to take? Now, some of you are saying, I've, I've already taken my first steps of being, being a Christian. But life is all about every step that you take is a first step to something. It's a first step to newness. And if you keep that mindset you're, you're always moving forward, and as the song said, you're never going backwards as long as you're taking that first step to accomplish your goals, to live a better life, and to be a passionate follower of Jesus. So let's go ahead and pray and ask God to anoint this message and uh, bless our time today. Father God, we just tell you that we love you this morning. We thank you that you've, you've given us a a building, a house to congregate in. We thank you that you, you held this storm off for us to be able to, uh, to attend today. God, we ask that as this message takes place, that you, you just truly show us in our hearts what is a step that we need to take. God, what is the foundation that you've truly laid for us to walk on? God, if there's anyone here that, that doesn't know you today, I ask that this be a message from you that speaks to their heart and allow them to take the first step to their new life. God, we thank you for everyone that is here. We ask that you bless this time and allow it to be you that is seen. In the name we pray. Amen. So I guess we, we don't even have slides? Nope. Man, we're going real old school. So I hope you guys have your Bibles with you. You can go ahead and open them up. Um, or this is that time when, when you're allowed to bring out the phone and open up that Bible app. I hope all of you guys have that at least. So where we're going to be starting at is in Luke 23. Now the, the reason I chose to start here and that God led me to was to understand what the, the first steps of the church are and the direction that it was headed to. We have to understand what had taken place. So starting in Luke 23, 50, 
I want to bring you up to speed in case you're, you're not familiar with it. At this point, Jesus had, had done his three years of ministry. Jesus had been beaten. Jesus had been hung onto a cross and had died. And that's, that's where we're going to start off at. Is he, is the, uh, imagine in your, in your mind right now that Jesus is hanging on that cross right now. People were weeping. They believed that this great prophet had, had died. And, and they thought they was going to see something better. But they didn't understand that this was better. So start in Luke 23, verse 50. It says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Aramaeth, the city of the Jews who himself was also awaiting, awaiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in the tomb. Then was, excuse me, that was honed out of rock, where no one had ever lain before. The day of prepara- this was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. So this, this man that's, that's asked to take Jesus off of the cross was somebody who was a part of the ones that were screaming, kill him, crucify him. He was a part of the culture that, that was saying, release the murderer and, and, and take him. Although he didn't agree with it. So already with this, Jesus has began to change hearts. So he takes, he gets permission, he, he takes Jesus down off the cross, he wraps him in linen, and Jesus has to go somewhere that no man has ever gone before. And that, that's very important to know that Jesus goes before you to the place you've never been to conquer it for you. Now the women that were with him were there and they seen the they seen Jesus wrapped up. They seen him laid in the tomb. They seen the tomb sealed. They 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 know that he is there. So it said the Sabbath was drew near. We all know that Jesus had to be in the tomb for three days. So this was a Friday. The Sabbath for them was actually Saturday. So they they did the preparation of the body, they put it in the tomb, they rested on their Sabbath. And then Sunday, the women said, we're going back. They had spices and stuff to lay at the tomb for, for their, their cultural reasons. So they go back to the tomb, and they, they see that it's open, and they, 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 they peer inside, and the body is gone. But the linens are laying there folded up, which was very important. Because to understand in that culture, if you folded your napkin and set it on the table, it meant I'm coming back. To finish it. So that's very important to understand. Jesus was telling them from the second that he rose, I'm coming back. This isn't done yet. But what I want you to understand is this is the first step of what the new is bringing in. So the women see this and they're standing there and they're, they're, they're not understanding what's going on. And all of a sudden, two men appear to them. Now, to understand, some versions say men, some versions say angels. It's, it's, it's important to know that, that it was of God that these two were sent. And it, they say to him, why do you look for the dead? He's alive. They're amazed and perplexed by this. 
and, and they're, they're, they're not sure of how to understand it, but they're also not remembering the scriptures that foretold this moment. So they run. They take off. They run back to the disciples who are, are, are devastated by Jesus dying. And they explain to them, he's gone. He's missing. But these, these angels, they told us that he's alive. Where is he? Disciples didn't want to believe them. Moving on to Luke 24, 12. It says at that point, but Peter, the man that denied Jesus three times, arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw that the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. I can't imagine Peter's mindset at this time in life. And I, I denied this guy. Is, is, is all of it really true? He's unsure of, what, of whether he's, he's alive or somebody has stolen him or what's going on. But Peter knows that his last actions were to de deny the man that he was following. He said, nope, I don't know, I don't know that man. I'm not a Jesus follower. Eh, Jesus, I don't do that Jesus guy. As, this, as Peter's leaving there, and there's something that takes place, and it's... It's so great, and it brought so much life to it when I was reading it. There's two men about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And they're walking down the road, and they have tears coming down their face, and they're speaking of what had happened, and they're, they're saying that Jesus, this prophet, he's dead, and he's, he's not in his tomb no more, and we don't know what happened. Something amazing happens as they're walking along. There's a man that's on that same road, and he looks at them, and he says, what is wrong? Why are, you, why are you speaking of what you are? Why are, why are you crying? And the, the, the two men that, that just met this stranger, they say to him, all the things that happened, don't, are you the only man that doesn't know of what has taken place? The prophet that we believed was going to do the greatest is dead. He's, he's not there no more. Like, like our hope, our foundation is gone. But this man looks at him in Luke 24, 25 through 27. And he says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. These two men are, are speaking. They know the, what the prophets said. They know the word of God that was handed to them. And, and these things were told to them multiple times, but they still didn't see it. Verse 26, he says, Ought not the Christ have to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. See, he, this, this man that they didn't know told them things like Psalms 22.1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Saying to this man, did you not see that that happened? So long ago the prophet said those same words and were speaking futuristically. And did you not hear? You, you claim that you've seen Jesus do this. And, and he was on that cross and he said those exact words. This man explains to those two men, also Psalms 22.18. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Did you not see that the Roman soldiers that, that pierced my side, that they 
ripped my clothing off of my dead body and, and cast lots for it. The men that knew these scriptures weren't seeing these scriptures unfolding before their eyes. Then he tells them, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Declaring to them. Listen, guys, you know the scriptures. The prophet Isaiah said this, said that God will not allow you to cry no more. He will wipe them tears off of your face and he's giving you a reason to do it. At about this time, they arrive at these two men's home. The, the two men are still unfamiliar with who this man is that they're walking with. And this, this, this man that is unknown is going to continue on, but they say to him, because they know there's something and they're loving what he's saying. And they, they say to him, no, stay with us. Stay with us. Because I'll tell you this, even if, it, even if it's unknown to you that Jesus is speaking to you, you're going to want him to stay in your life. Because that word of him is so powerful. So, the two men, they say, no, stay with us, stay with us. So this man that's unknown to them says, okay. Stay the night, it's getting late. I'll continue my journey in the morning. And they're like, awesome. They go in and they, they want to be hospitable guests. So they serve food and they have dinner with this man. And as that's taking, taking place, it says in Luke 24 30, now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did our heart, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us? I can tell you this. When Jesus speaks scripture to you, your heart within will burn. Your heart will leap. There will be a joy that is unknown to you of why it's taking place. But you need to know the scriptures for Jesus to speak the scriptures to you, just as these men here. But when you're reading that word of God and you get that little smile or you get that little spot in your life, like, man, that's powerful. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Last night, I was laying in bed with the wife and I have my headphones in and I'm, I'm going over things and I'm listening to, to, to my Bible being read to me and I just began to laugh. Why? Because Jesus came right off the pages and tickled my soul. And he'll do it every time for you. So these men are they're thrilled about this. They, they now know it was Jesus. And they know that the tomb was empty. And they know that he's alive. So what do they got to do? The same thing that the women that left the temple did. We've got to tell the disciples. They're the ones that spent the time with him. They're the ones that know the best. So they run back. They run. And it says... And in Luke 24, 35, it says, And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in breaking the bread. One of the greatest ways that you will know it's Jesus is because of the fact he'll do it again. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when Jesus does something for you, you can bet yourself that it will be known because he's done it before. 
They know that at the Last Supper, Jesus took that bread and broke it, blessed it, and gave it to them. He did that exact same thing for them, and it opened their eyes. When you're willing to break bread with Jesus, it will open your eyes. As these men are explaining all of this that happened, and, and everything they've seen, and how their hearts burned with this, this passion as Jesus spoke Scripture to them, explaining this to the disciples, something marvelous happens. Jesus appears in the room. Now, could you imagine that? You're sitting there, and you're talking about things that have happened. You're talking about Scriptures and, and how your, your love for Jesus, and you get to physically see him after you know he was dead. But listen, I promise you, Jesus is just alive today as he was on that day. And if you look for him and you're willing to open your eyes and you're willing to stand in his presence, he will show himself to you. He will show himself to you. So it tells us, though, in Luke 24, 38 and 39, this is right after he appears, and the, the, the disciples are, are amazed by this and yet shocked by this and scared of this. The first thing he says to them is peace because he knows that they was going to be scared. He knows their hearts just like he knows your heart. And he'll speak to you in a way to calm you. And then he begins to tell them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is myself Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. He's explaining to them. He's emphasizing, I'm not dead. I'm very much alive today. Just because you've seen what you thought you've seen didn't mean that that was the end. And he, he proved this to them. He, begins, he continues on speaking to them, and they begin traveling again together. And it brings us up to verse 46. And it says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. It was necessary. Guys, nothing wrong happened. And, I, and Jesus is telling them, They didn't kill me. They didn't arrest me. They didn't do this. I allowed them to do all of this. Because there ain't nothing in this world that takes place without God being a part of it and God leading the way. It all happens for a reason. It all happens for a purpose. Verse 47. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are the witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He's explaining to them, repentance of your sins is a part of it. Now, I want to I drive repentance home. I, I really want to put it into perspective for you because I believe that there's a lot of people that have repentance completely wrong. Repentance is not the words of your mouth. Yes, Jesus wants you to talk with him. 
Jesus wants you to admit all your flaws and faults, all your goods, all your bads, all of it. Jesus wants to commune with you. But he says repentance. That word is very important because repentance isn't just a verbal thing. Repentance means I'm standing here looking at my sin. I'm indulged in my sin. Repentance is this. Turn around and walk towards Jesus. And that is something that we need to to really start to understand is the first steps of of our church. You can't be a Sunday Christian. You have to be same on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as you are when you sit here inside of these walls. Why? Because the kingdom of God, the church, is not these four walls. And I, I say it every sermon. is This is not the church. You and I are the church. And the way that Jesus will be seen is by you preaching repentance. Preach often use little words. Your actions should be your preaching. And that is repentance. If people see you in your sin and turn from it and they see a joy and a love in your heart become, that is Jesus, that's repentance. And that is what the church is. He tells them, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are my witnesses of these things. Starting in Jerusalem, I want you to start telling that you see me alive. You see this take place. You see me die. You see me rise, and I talk to you. Tells him to go to Jerusalem and wait. He is then taken up. I'm sorry. So he's he's, he's taken from them. Not really taken. He ascended to heaven. I don't want to use the wrong words there. Because Jesus can never be taken from you. Once you know him, he's a friend for life. He's a love. He's a passionate. He lives in your heart. He takes up residency in you. And when something takes residency, it's permanent. So this is really the first steps of the church. Now, we just read from Luke And we're going to jump up to Acts because Acts is what the church today should be. You want to see the things that are alive today. You want to see the way the church is to walk. You want to see the things that we're supposed to be doing. Read the book of Acts. Dissect it, indulge in it, and understand what God was explaining was the foundation of us. Now, ultimately, yes, Jesus is the foundation. Faith in Jesus is the foundation. But there's things that he wants to come along with that. There's things that help others and and gain people to be added to the church. So we see in verse 1 of Acts that this is a continuance of something, and it's the same thing that's said in, in the first verses of Luke also. He says, The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. The former account. He's referring you back to something. And I found out last night that that word Theopolis means friend of God. So he's, te- he's talking from Luke clear through Acts. He's talking to anybody who is a friend of God. Not just one specific. It's not a love letter to his best friend. He's speaking to all friends. 
current and futuristic of Christ. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, gave the commandments to, to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. With infallible proofs, God 100% proved to these men that he was alive. That he was still in operation, clear from the linen cloth, wrapped or folded up and laid on the tomb to the day he ascended. He proved that he was alive. And he continued to tell them, I need you to wait in Jerusalem until the moment. You'll know when it is. Because when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you can't deny it. You know that it's the beginning of something new. He, he reassures them again in Acts 1-7, telling them, It is not for you to know the times or season which the Father has put into His own authority, but you shall receive the power from the Holy Spirit as it comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. I've heard a lot of people say that, use that scripture to say the earth is flat. And that's how you get the end of the earth. That's not what Jesus is referring to when he spoke this to them. As they're proclaiming, well, when's this Holy Spirit going to come? When's this time going to be? Okay, The end of the earth. When the kingdom of God is reset on this earth. It doesn't mean that you sail so far and you can fall off. It's literally the end when my kingdom will be returned is what he's referring to. So, we spoke about repentance. And I want to show you and emphasize again, I said I wanted to drive at home, of what repentance looks like. You guys remember that the, the second verse we read was about Peter running to the tomb. And just previous to this, just days before this, Peter had denied Jesus three times. So what does true repentance look like? We see that from Peter in verse 238 of Acts. And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children. And to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. First thing, I, I want to identify that, that last part of it there. It says, to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. If you think the Holy Spirit isn't available to you today, if you think the gifts of the Spirit are not for you today, that right there is Peter proclaiming that what we know with infallible proof, what we've seen of Jesus, what he told us, he's alive. He's there for not just us, he specifies it to your children and all who are afar off. He doesn't say six generations down the road, this is going to stop, that it's going to die. No, to all. The Holy Spirit is very much alive today. But we, we see that Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The same man who sat in his sin of saying, That's not my Jesus. 
I'm not following him. I did not walk with him. It's the same man that has turned and said, I proclaim Jesus. That was his repentance. We need to understand that when he says this, it's at a time where Christians were, were persecuted and murdered. Jesus had just been murdered. They wanted them all to die. And this is at a time he's standing right outside of, the, of what we know as the upper room, the day of Pentecost, and the, the tongues of fire just came on them. The gifting of the Holy Spirit was poured out on all of the 120. And these people are gathering and saying, no, they're drunk. This ain't real. No. He stands up in the middle of the crowd. The same crowd that was probably standing there the day that he denied Jesus. Repentance is an action of turning and walking towards Jesus and proclaiming Him. Now here's the greatest thing that happened with Peter's repentance. With Peter saying the word Jesus, not denying Him no more. Acts 2.41 Then those who gladly received His word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added. 3,000 souls because of one man's repentance and turning towards Jesus. 3,000 souls. There's what, 40 of us in here today? If you can use your repentance and your testimony and you preach the word of God in repentance, how many souls could be added to the church by you? If we even did half of what Peter did. 1,500 per person sitting in here. I'm not the best genius at math, but that's a whole lot of people. <laughs> Why do we not see this happening daily in our culture today? Because we don't have the heart of what they had. There was people added to them daily. Not just Sunday morning. There was people added Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to the point that they had to start knocking down walls inside of their home to be able to fit the people inside of it. Come on, somebody. I would, I would love to bring a sledgehammer in here and start smashing out walls to expand in this congregation. But the church is not just this congregation. The souls that you win with your repentance can, can go into any church building. But the factor is, are you with the heart of Jesus? Are you with the faith of God? And are you preaching the message of repentance? Again, preach often, use little words. Is your life displaying something to that cruel and ignorant world out there that makes their eyes and their minds say, I want that. I want what you got. I don't know what it is, but I'm willing to get it. Your life should be a monumental moment to others. And you guys are called to do it. You're not called to be, I would say, pew sitters, but say chair sitters. You're not called to be Sunday Christians. You are called to, to, to preach Jesus. And again, tomorrow, you go to work, you know, you don't get snowed out. Tell somebody, 
you see your opportunity as Peter seen it, let them know. Hope Homes, when you guys see that person from your former life, when you see that person that knew you as hell on wheels in the streets, are you taking your opportunity to repent right there in front of them and say, Jesus, because that's what Peter did, and that's what brought 3,000 souls. I don't know about you guys, but when I was on the streets, I met a lot of people. Now imagine if I could stand in front of every one of them and say the word Jesus now. Look at what, look at what God took me from. Look at what my life is today. I'm not shoving needles in my arm no more. Why? Because the love of God and grace was over top of my life. Let me tell you about it. Again, we said first steps. There's a couple more verses that I want to show you of the first steps of truly, truly what it looks like, what the, what the after effect is, what we're just talking about, of once you take that repentance and turn to, to Jesus in front of the multitudes. It tells us in Acts 2.44, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Verse 45, or 44 says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Why does a football game work? Because everybody's playing football that's on the field. Why does, why does the church work so good? Why were there 3,000 souls and more added those very days? Because they had something in common. Jesus. They didn't have the, the front rows. They didn't have the middle of the church. They didn't have the lead worship. They didn't have the, the Bible study head. They didn't have the title. They had one thing in common with everything, and it's all their life re revolved around. Jesus. Telling people about Jesus. Showing people our repentance of Jesus. You want to see our numbers get added daily? Let's flow in one of Let's, let's join each other. You start, you start inviting people into your home and breaking a bread with them, you'll see that grow. Cook, cook a big Sunday meal and just offer it. Open your door up and let people smell it with a sign that says, come on in. You'll, you'll get your people in there. Because I promise you, if I smell a lasagna with a sign on your door that says, come in, I'm coming in. <laughs> Your faith and your belief in Jesus and your repentance should be the smell of lasagna that's infecting our world, that drive people towards it. Now it says they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. I've heard this, this verse gets so torn out of place and we've got to sell everything, we've got to sell our house and all that. It's, it, as 
anyone had need. As anyone had need. They didn't sell everything they owned and just throw it over to somebody. What they did was said, oh, you don't have a home? Stay with me. Oh, you don't have food? I have some. Oh, you, you have taxes that are due. Whatever it may be, they shared in everything they had. We are America, and we are the most stingiest people in the world. What's mine is mine, and you can go get your own. And we wonder why our church is dying. We wonder why the doors of churches across America are closing by the thousands on a daily basis. It's because the people sitting inside of them aren't doing anything for their neighbor. I remember generations before me with my grandmother and I. She knew everybody that was within a one square mile radius of her. I don't even know if I can tell you the names of my neighbors today. Why? Because they're selfish, stingy, and we're not living as the church and sharing in all with everybody. When was the last time you took a, a half of your, your dinner over to the, to the old lady next door? She doesn't have nobody. Just told her I just love you. Just love you. Why? Because God loves me and He tells me to love my neighbor. So I just want to show that to you. I just want to do that for you. So continuing daily with one of you. Driving home again of we don't just come in here on Sunday and act with Jesus. I know that there's a lot of people in this congregation that when we have a, another member who's, who's sick or had a tragedy or something going on in their life, that we pool the resources, we pool together, we, we create meal trains, we, we do things like that. Why don't we do that on a daily basis? Why are we not feeding our church on a daily basis? Why are we not all daily in one of you? And, and I don't say none of this to put a spectacle that I do all of these things. This scriptures and, and all this that I'm reading through is impacting my heart greatly. And I hope that it's doing the same for you guys today. That when you leave outside of these walls today, the same mindset that you have in here this morning, the same encouragement that you have to hear the Bible, that you, that you want to learn of scriptures, that, that you do it out there just as much as you do it in here. Because that is the only way that we're going to see the numbers added daily to the kingdom of God. You may not get to see the effects of it today because they go to some of the things they read the Bible at home. But allow, on that day that God comes back and establishes his kingdom, to be a day where you see thousands of people and you're like, I remember showing you what and they get to leap with joy and say, that was the day my heart was changed. That was the day I was added to the church. Let your heart, let your life be the preaching of God as you leave here today. And the worship team. I want to I spend a few minutes of just 
you guys asking yourself, where do I need to take a first step to be more like the book of Acts? Where do I need to take a first step to love Jesus more? Where's my first step to loving my neighbor? And when you have that thought in your mind that says, this is what I can do to show the love, I challenge every single one of you today to go out there and do it. Don't allow it to just be a thought of the day and lose it as you walk away. Pray with each other. Spend time with each other. And love one another. These altars are open. Guys, just, just bask in God's glory. I love you guys. I hope you're safe during this week.